Good day. Welcome to Mind Pilot. This is Dr. Jana Price Sharps. Today we're going to talk about a topic that you're going to hear a lot about on this podcast over time, but we're going to dabble in it today. Navigating conflict. And so today we have a guest speaker. He's been on our podcast a number of times, Dr. Matthew Sharps. And we're going to talk both about what happens in fight or flight in terms of communication. Then I'm going to talk about wording that can be used during communication that will help reduce conflict. So welcome, Dr. Sharps. Thank you. So when people are stressed, how might it impact their ability to navigate conflict? Well, when human beings are stressed, the mind basically changes a great deal. You have what we refer to as the fight or flight response, where the entire body becomes more adrenalized and there are other chemical changes that help you negotiate what might be a violent or might be a situation that requires you to run or what have you. Well, If you think about the brain and the body, the body is using a tremendous amount of blood, but the brain winds up using, the brain's an enormous energy hog. It weighs about 2% of your body weight, but it uses about 20% of your blood-borne resources. So under the situation of stress, where you're wanting more blood to your muscles, you start to reduce some of the resources available to the brain. And the problem is many brain areas, you really don't want to reduce that much if you're fleeing or fighting, fight or flight response. You want to still be able to see and hear, know what and where things are, and coordinate your, your, your motor motion, your act, the activity of your body. Which means that areas that get shortchanged are often those involved in your ability to think and monitor and consider things. Now, in fact, that probably had quite a bit of utility in the ancient world, because if you're not thinking as much in a fight or flight situation, you may wind up being a little braver. You may wind up attacking the saber-toothed tiger rather than going, oh my goodness, maybe I should negotiate with it, okay? Well, the problem though in the modern, in the, 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 when I say the modern world, the world of humans as we are now in civilizations, okay? the difficulty with that is that it reduces your power of thought. It'll reduce some of your ability to formulate coherent arguments and discussion. So there would be a tendency to yell or just say, don't do that. And of course, we may also become behave in a more aggressive manner. Okay? So the gist of it is that under stress, you're fairly likely to start behaving in a negative manner. Start shouting at people, lose the ability to monitor what's going on around you in terms of conversation, what effects am I having on other people, how am I doing this. There will also be interesting problems with, frankly, with, with memory, with monitoring our own behavior. Did I, what have I said? Under what circumstances have I said it? You know, how well did this work the last dozen times I tried it? So all these stress-related responses will tend to mediate against successful conflict resolution, successful successful um, conflict, conflict mediation. Do people tend to blurt out things when they're under high stress? Yes, this is one of the things that's been found, work by psychologist Art Wall, work by uh, uh, Colonel Grossman and others who've worked on this. Um, One of the more common things that happens under stress is this tendency toward impulsive speech, okay? You'll get an idea, 
and it just has to be expressed, okay? Well, and it's, it's kind of strange because you're not really monitoring your behavior enough, but suddenly you'll get this idea of, and I must say this, and if mu what you must say is to you know, call your boss a human hemorrhoid or something, uh, this is not gonna be good for your future. So this impulsive speech becomes a very big problem. Lots of first responders have said the wrong thing in an emergency situation. It's been picked up by some news source and they've been in great, great trouble as a result. Okay. So if a person is kind of chronically stressed, does that differ from somebody that is situationally stressed as far in terms of impulsive speech? That's an interesting question. I don't know if there's really much research on it. Because what we're dealing with here is really more, I think, the level of stress than whether it's chronic or acute. Obviously, chronic stress will have graver, graver consequences for your health and so forth than most forms of acute stress. But that's more a question, I think, of, of the intensity of the stress. Uh, cer certainly what we see in, in the literature, if I'm thinking about it, is more discussing those uh, the sudden blurting out of something very negative under acute stress. But at the same time, long-term chronic stress, it's going to start to erode your abilities to think well and to monitor how you're dealing with other people. It may result in situations where you fall back on more habitual thought and action. If those habits are, are, are negative, if you've learned, you know, in a family situation, for example, if you learn to yell at people or you know, to potentially be physically abusive, there may be, there may be, I'll say may, be a tendency to fall more back on that when you are highly stressed. These are things that by their nature, there's been a lot of experimentation on, but that's what we seem to see across across the entire field. Okay. So clinically, what I have seen is first responders get used to a certain pattern of communication in the workplace. So they may be giving orders, they may raise their voice, they may sound very curt, um, and they're not going to spend a lot of time thinking about, gosh, I think that might hurt Sid's feelings, so I'm not going to say that. And then they transition home, but they haven't transitioned their communication to home life. And they're still high on that, what we call the Yerkes-Dodson curve, that stress curve. Is that going to impact their communication at home? I have seen it clinically. Is there some reason brain-wise that it's going to be impacted? Well, absolutely, because if you've been uh, in the situ command situation, obviously, where you know, if you think about a forest fire where giant chunks of fire are falling out of the sky as trees are burning, right? Or a SWAT action or something like that with these terribly intense long-term situations that are lethally dangerous and bring up a lot of ethical ethical questions on the part of the law enforcement officer him or herself yeah you get home you don't spend a lot of time under those circumstances saying please thank you and pass the tea okay most of your communication is very direct and it has to be often pretty damn loud so people can hear you over the dozers and the fire and the shooting okay so you get home with that, that tendency, you come through the door, and you kind of expect your family, oh, good, I'm home, and the family is going to be nice to me. And what the family is often going to do is start making immediate domestic demands on you. Why did you leave me with dealing with this and that and the other? Lots of first responders, not all, certainly, but lots of first responders simply don't share the more stressful aspects of the job with the family. Their family may not really know what they do for a living. But they do know that the family is not behaving the way the family 
is expected to, and they may start to get angry, and they may then go back on their arousal habit patterns. You start looking around, you realize the house isn't that clean, the child-rearing patterns seem a bit feral to you, and you start giving commands and orders to your spouse as if you were talking to subordinate officers or to colleagues where you were directing their actions. Um, most people expect please, thank you, and pass the tea, not taking direct orders. They'll get angrier and angrier. And unless you're really monitoring that intellectually, you're monitoring it with your full intelligence, which is exactly what we can't do when we're under high stress, it's likely the, the, the entire interaction is likely to accelerate uh, in terms of hostility to potentially quite a high degree. That makes a lot of sense. It's really important to think about what your level of arousal is. And if you're headed home, or if you're headed into maybe an office to speak to a supervisor, that you really take a few minutes out when you can to do that transition. And we talked about transitions in one of my other podcasts, but that five to 10 minutes of, I don't know, listening to comedy, listening to happy music, looking at pictures of your best vacation you've ever had, anything that will cool your system down before you engage. Because if you engage when, I call it running hot, when you're fully adrenalized, stuff is going to come out of your mouth. And the problem is you can't take it back. And so it can have long-term repercussions for your relationships. So one of the best tips for this is really start being aware of levels of adrenaline. And I have found over and over and over when first responders start to cool their system down, they're taking those breaks, they're doing some fun things, they're laughing, they're getting away from work. And they cool down, now they're sleeping, they're feeling better. Their communication is significantly better, but they also are much more aware of where they're at on their arousal curve. I often will have guys come back after they've done a really good job of cooling their system down, guys and gals, and they'll say, man, I got really adrenalized in such and such an event, and boy, I didn't realize, is that the way I used to run all the time? Yep, sure is. Wow, no wonder my whole family was mad at me because I felt horrible. But now I see it. I think before I was just living that way and I didn't even notice it. That's actually very true. If you go from incident to incident to incident, you're not taking your time off, you don't have any vacations, you're not going to notice that you're highly adrenalized. I believe you've said it before, Dr. Sharps, fish don't discover water. Yeah, that's very clearly true. When I was writing my most uh, recent book, it's called Thinking Under Pressure, specifically about these issues for the fire service, weird coincidence, I was having lunch of uh, leftovers from a Chinese restaurant meal, and I break open the fortune cookie. The fortune, a little piece of paper there, says, delay is the antidote to anger. So you're going, wow. Because that, that wound up going, like this prophetic uh, fortune cookie, or this uh, wound up in the book, because it's true. If you can make that delay, you get out of your vehicle when you're coming home. One thing I know that you and other clinicians have recommended, a little 3x5 card taped to the door, not to the windshield. You're going to distract you when you're driving. 
but and this will be different for different people, but something like the word delay question mark or the terms how are you doing, something depends what the individual needs. We start going, okay, no, I'm not really in shape to go inside right now. I need to take a walk. But then you might, because you're very highly adrenalized, you may need other steps written on your card. If you need time, comma, call your spouse. And you might, because you don't, you know, you don't want the spouse thinking you're avoiding them. But this is one of the reasons why I know you want to have the spouses involved in any kind of, of uh, interventions with first responders, if possible. Because, you know, something like, you know, I, I need a few minutes, I'm just saying really... Uh, you know, really, 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 maybe the word isn't quite upset, but I'm really not doing too well after whatever the incident is. I'll be home in a few minutes. I'm just going to go down to the pond, sit down, feed the ducks, whatever, you know, whatever you do. Delay can be the antidote for anger because one of the things we always talk about is having a prior explicit framework for understanding what's going to happen next. But it's often that framework is going to need time. Now, first responders, generally, your response is, I'm going to move on this, I'm going to move on this right now, I'm going to move fast. That's exactly the wrong thing to do under these circumstances. It's a question of installing a completely new mental set, a new habit of mind. Okay, fair enough. On the line or in the field or whatever my job duties are, yes, I may have to move and I, I may have to do it and I may have to do it now. But that may not be the proper approach when you're coming off the line, say, and you are you know, going home after a long, a long absence. Okay? Delay is the antidote for anger. Frankly, that, that, that written or maybe the fortune cookie thing pasted on your three by five card that could be very handy. Absolutely, I'm forever telling folks if you've had some major incidents at work and you know you're wound up, or maybe you had an argument, or maybe you had somebody attack you, or whatever happened and you're headed home and you know you're running hot, send your spouse a text. You know, maybe you don't want to call them because maybe you have the kind of spouse that goes, well, what's wrong? Well, what happened? You know, maybe you just send them a text and say, look, I had a really bad day at work. I am going to take 15 minutes out and I am going to go sit in the sauna at the gym. You know, whatever it is, I will be home at this time, but I need to decompress before I get home. And have that talk with your significant other or spouse before this happens, because they need a prior framework for this as well. So don't just do this the first time when it's happening. Sit down with your significant other, your spouse, and on a Sunday morning when you're having coffee or whatever, and say, you know, here's what I would like to do. I don't want to come home angry and wound up because when I do that, then I say things that I don't mean and I hurt your feelings. So if I've had a bad call or I'm really wound up, you're going to get a text from me and it's going to say, I'm going to go sit in the sauna at the gym for 15 minutes. I will be home, but I need, I need to cool my system down, whatever that means to you. <laughs> go to the lake and feed the ducks, whatever. And that needs to be a code with your significant other Oh, okay. All right. So he, he or she had a bad day. They'll be home in a little bit, you know, because if you call them and say, look, I'm all right, you know, and then, then it will often go into a fight I have found. So do the text message, but agree upon that before this ever happens so that both of you are on the same page. But it will mean that you're going to communicate much more effectively and you're not going to find everybody in the household is now avoiding you. Because that's one of the saddest things that I have seen as a clinician 
is the family starts avoiding the first responder because the first responder is so angry all the time. And really, it's they're not sleeping. They haven't taken their vacations. They haven't had any downtime. They haven't done anything for fun, and they're exhausted. So we talk a lot about that on the other podcast. Take care of you. Take care of your health. Take care of your mental health. But also go have some fun. Play. Depending on what you believe, we have one life. Make the best out of it. Do some things that you enjoy with yourself and with your family. You deserve to have a happy life. So take care of yourself. Catch up with us on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook. We're going to have a lot of additional training available soon. We look forward to working with you. I hope you have a wonderful day. This is Dr. Jana Price-Sharps from MindPilot. Please subscribe.